Good evening, everybody. My name is Stephen Paw, and I'm your managing editor at CBR.com. And I'm Ben Kendrick. <laughs> yeah. uh, I'm Ben Kendrick. I can't say mm-hmm. my own name because it's been a really long day. Publisher of ScreenRant.com. So, so long. Such a long day. Such a long week. Such geez, jeezy, crazy. There's been so much stuff coming out, Ben. Well, uh, yeah. where, where to even begin? Where do you want to begin with this journey that we have? Uh, well, you're going to be talking Marvel stuff. I'm going to start out with Star Wars, though, I think. Okay. Um, you hit Star Wars. One. Oh, you said, oh, you were saying go. Okay. I, I was thought, just saying go. We're off to a great, we're off to a great start. <laughs> yeah. Um, well, I, so there were a lot of, there were a lot, a lot, a lot, a lot of announcements, right? There's going to be a Shoka series. There's going to be a, like kind of a, there's a Rogue Squadron movie coming from Wonder Woman director P, or Patty Jenkins. Um, but the thing that stood out to me the most, I mean, there's countless things like this Disney, this Disney investors call was kind of nuts. It was like their own, like super hall h type uh type thing but the one that stood out to me the most was hayden christensen beloved star wars episode one or not one episode episode two and three actor hayden christensen coming back returning as anakin skywalker slash darth vader in the obi-wan kenobi series for disney plus I mean, it's pretty self-explanatory. Like, there isn't a lot to, like, dig into here. He is going to make an appearance in that series. Um, But I, like, long have we sort of talked about the idea of, like, what if Hayden Christensen came back without George Lucas directing him? Could he do justice to the Anakin Skywalker slash Darth Vader kind of sort of middle, middle transition sort of part that, you know, he had to sort of carry in episode three going into you know ahead of episode four and stuff like that and exploring kind of that that middle area is something that we've seen quite a bit in like the you know the clone wars as well as and like rebels and you know some of sort of the extended universe stuff like uh jedi fallen order and things like that i'm interested in in that in terms of like seeing him there and i think that was something that we've talked about quite a bit so our commenters had a lot of a lot of comments about this. Understandably, it's exciting, but it also left a lot of them kind of wondering whether or not this was a great idea. Jimmy Cap. So I'm going to start out with people who are excited first. Jimmy Cap said, "Yes, this is absolutely amazing." Woot. He's grown into such a good actor with all the new stuff he's been doing lately, which I I take a little bit of issue with because he really has not been in that much stuff even recently. He's done a couple of things the last few years, but. I I wonder if Jimmy's actually seen any of that. Well, but... what, what has he been in other than Jumper? Like Jimmy, what what's what's he been in other than Jumper? Well, so he's been. I mean, he voiced Anakin Skywalker in the Rise of Skywalker in 2019. Um, but he was also a character in The Last Man. Um, he was in a film called Little Italy, um, First Kill, 90 Minutes in Heaven. Those are kind of the last four projects that he's been in, um, and that goes that takes us to like 2015. So, you know, he has been in a lot since Jumper in 2008. He's probably done about 10 more films since that time. But, you know, I I don't know. I don't know if we can, like, look at his recent filmography to tell us that he's really going to kill it in this role. Hmm. Um, But he says he continues. He says, I can't wait to see the depth he's going to bring to Vader now. I'm so glad that they could continuously use the same actors. I absolutely hate it when they replace actors. Hoping we see more of Ray Park as Darth Maul as well. Michelle Phillips said he did all right for what he was given. So this is sort of sliding into blaming Lucas. 
I mean, the writers were the ones that made him seem dramatic and whiny. Kind of dumb to see an actor get blamed to perform the character how they were written. If people dislike it that much, they don't have to watch it. Uh, the prequels were definitely not the worst thing I have ever watched. In my opinion, Obi-Wan was why I even watched the prequels as he was the most enjoyable part for me. There's a there are several more, but I'm going to kind of table those because they basically fall on on those two sides of of the fence, except for the people who are kind of confused about how this is going to work. So Robert Heavy Runner Williams said, why? Christensen would just be stuck in a suit with James Earl Jones doing the voice unless there's scenes with a suitless Vader. Huh, come to think of it, that could be interesting. So I'm I'm sort of assuming that's the case. Anybody who's seen Rebels, like, you know, we know that there are moments where the helmet's kind of cracked or something, and you can see Vader's eyes sort of underneath the helmet. I'm assuming that we are going to get a maybe not helmetless Vader, but at least a Vader that where we see sort of, you know, the human that's underneath there um still still sort of writhing around and stuff. So um, I'm curious, you know, what you thought of this news. I personally, I'm excited. I I don't have the faith that some of our commoners have that this is going to be great. Um, but I am a big fan of second chances. And I think there is a there is a compelling enough argument to suggest that, you know, you had Natalie Portman. One of our commenters also mentioned that, like, you know, Natalie Portman was literally in a Star Wars movie and was bad in that. And Natalie Portman's like an amazing actress. So it's conceivable that it really is just like George Lucas is, is never been very great at directing actors. Um, you know, there are quotes that, you know, Harrison Ford is, is sort of famous for making fun of George Lucas for the writing of the lines and stuff like that, that, that he actually had to say as Han Solo. So I'm willing to believe that that's, that's part of it. Um, and then maybe Hayden Christensen with Filoni and Favreau directing him um, can surprise us and sort of bridge the gap that we've all been sort of hoping um, gets bridged in live action. But but Steve, what did you and your commenters think of this? I mean, our commenters. Well, first of all, I want to I say that I enjoy the the picture in my mind that you've created of um, Vader, of Anakin, <laughs> right? writhing yeah. it's he's just like a bunch yeah. of snakes like writhing around like <laughs> worms like yeah writhing may not have been the i was thinking kind no. of his face like moving around in the mask and stuff but ben yeah, writhing it was, uh, it was perfect I'll leave, I'll leave the image for you. thank yeah. you very much it was perfect and i it, it is mm. kind of nice because I, it kind of makes your skin crawl and his skin is kind of weirdly right, crawling yeah. behind there too right like it's kind of weird um yeah, yeah our commenters yeah. I, i'm not gonna i'm not gonna read them for the same reason that you're not going into too much depth into yours because it's basically saying the same thing like give this dude a second chance he's not as bad as uh you remember and it was mostly george lucas being the worst thing that ever happened to star wars which is one of my favorite comments of all time it's <laughs> just one of the best um yeah. Like I, I, I also think that he should be given a second chance. But like the the guy who did his voice, whose name is Matt Lantner, I think, um, uh, in Clone Wars. Yeah, in in Anakin the, voice you're in saying Clone in the animated. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. In Clone Wars and in in that great scene that you just mentioned in Rebels, where you do see the cracks behind like his face is so good that it would be great yeah. to see him take up that role again, even if it's just a voice role. Um but that all notwithstanding, like, yeah, give him another shot. Like, the thing is that you can you can go back and you can look at Anakin during those during the prequels and say, look, that was in his 
awkward teenage years, just like Star Wars when it was in its awkward teenage years. Like you can make a case for that being being yeah. true. Um, but yeah, like, why not? I'm, I was pumped. I don't know why I was pumped because I don't like him as an actor in those movies. But I was kind of like, oh, that's that's pretty cool. Well, I'll be, yeah. I'll be all right with that. Um, but yeah, I don't like I have yeah. no reason to be pumped about it other than this existed in Star Wars. And I'm here for it, I guess. <laughs> so like, I don't know. I think most people are kind of excited about it, but at least willing to see what happens. That makes sense. Yeah. I mean, I think it's like you invest in an actor like that, though, right? Like mm-hmm. he was in two and three. He was our Anakin for better or, you know, for worse. And in a lot of cases, as sort of we look back, it was sort of for worse. But I think there is some redemption in in sort of maybe getting to see him become the Darth Vader that like bridge, like I was saying, bridge that gap for us. Like maybe that will in some way soften kind of the blow of, you know, what, what came before. I think, you know, not to bring up the Snyder cut or anything here, but it, it's similar to me in that way where it's like, I don't feel like I got to leave Henry Cavill's Superman on like a high note with justice league. So even if the Snyder cut is not nearly as good as I want it to be, at least I feel like it'll probably leave like one of my favorite versions of Superman in a better place. Kind of, I feel like that's sort of what this is a bit. It's like, Mm. you know, maybe it will allow us to remember Hayden Christensen's Darth Vader in a, you know, in a way that isn't him just being like, no, you know, (laughs) and like crying about Padme and stuff like that. Um, I think it's interesting, though. I mean, I don't know how they would have done this series kind of without him. Now that I think about it, it's it's like what would be interesting about seeing an Obi-Wan series that doesn't have kind of Darth Vader in the periphery, at least in some capacity, because like, why is he hiding out on Tatooine? You know, why is he why is he sort of avoiding becoming part of this conflict if this character is just out there doing things? So. I think you almost needed him to be to have some kind of presence. And the idea of the two of them sharing screen time again is is super exciting to me um, because I think they'll I think Filoni and Favreau will go like nuts, like full geek with that. Um, and we'll get some really cool Jedi action and we'll get some like good moments between the two of them and, and stuff like that. that will hopefully flesh out that arc. Uh, I, I agree. I, I just do wonder if you need him to be there um, or if you just need the character to be there, which I think yeah. is a lot of uh, what a lot of people and commenters are yeah, out there thinking, saying as well. Like he's just a dude with a mask, really. For like sure. so. But we'll see. I, yeah. I agree with you that why not have them there? Because just that added little little splash of spice uh, is just kind of a nice thing to add. So. Yep. Uh, I'm going to give my comment of the week and then we can move on. Sabrina Moore said, yes, Hayden was a little wooden and disconnected as Anakin, but 1980s Mark Hamill was most definitely not an acting genius, bro. And then smiley face, laughy face, laughy face. <laughs> uh, people went overboard hating on Christensen back in the day, LOL, which, you know, I, I like we all love Mark Hamill. And but I think Mark Hamill would even poke fun at, you know, some of his performance there and blame George Lucas for kind of the cockamamie stuff that uh, that he had to say as Luke Skywalker, even though he obviously loves the Luke Skywalker character and and stuff like that. Um, Like I I get this point and I think it's I think it's probably, you know, an apt point. Um, The other one that I was going to talk about was that Fantastic Four is officially coming to the MCU. But 
like I don't honestly like I don't mind sort of skipping over that a bit and just like jumping into some of your Marvel stuff. I was going to ask you who you wanted to see in a Fantastic Four reboot, but I mean, I'm I'm team Emily Blunt and John Krasinski. So um, that's the only the only uh, answer I will accept from you. So, <laughs> yeah, I mean, I am, too. So I'm, I'm firmly in that camp as well. I, I don't really mind. Um, but, you know, it's going to be it's going to be interesting because one of the things that I do want to talk about with the Fantastic Four movie is a lot of the stuff, not just in Fantastic Four, but in Marvel and what they're setting up in phase four, phase four, um, uh, is, is phase kind of fantastic. Phase fantastic. Four. That is, that is no mistake, Ben, let's be real. Um, like they're setting that up as a wider kind of thing. Right. And it's, it's interesting because, one of the things that I want to talk about is the the article that we wrote up, which is not on Fantastic Four, but is instead called Ant-Man and the Wasp. Quantumania confirms the film's major villain by Noah Dominguez, one of our news editors. Thank you, Noah. Um, and I just want to say quickly what you mentioned before um, about this being like a Hall H thing or like a D20 thing that they did with the investors call was bananas. It was absolutely bananas. And I just want to thank all of our editors and writers who had to like pivot and cover that five, six oh hour God. thing. Yeah. It was ridiculous. And not only ours, but if you are a commenter or just a reader of websites who cover pop culture entertainment, like take a moment and please like show some, show, show some like thanks to all yeah, the pull one out for all your like seriously. Yeah. Just pour yeah. it out because man, f- people worked really, really hard that night and I just really appreciate it. So that was, yeah, we, our team was in the exact same boat. Like that was like, we knew it was coming. We're always very prepared for these things. We had extra people on staff. We were like, you know, covering the news, spinning stuff out, but Molly Freeman is our, our news lead. And I mean, by the end of it, like even like midway through it, she was like, I, like I got to tap out. Yeah. So we had, but we had other people around, but it, I mean, it was, that was insane watching that amount unfold. Like DC fandom, I think did a really admirable job of this as well. And it, this was equally, like, we were talking about this and then I'll let you actually like go to it, but it's like, man, like comic cons, the comic cons have been genuinely bad at this. And like mm. DC and Marvel, like on their own kind of, you know, platforms have just, freaking figured out how to do this and i'm very curious if next year you know god willing san diego comes back and new york comes back and we get to go to those things again that like if these people even show up because like why even do it at this point like they're so much better at just doing it themselves i don't think they got less press doing it here than if they did it at comic-con you know i think they got probably more i would argue what's the point yeah And they they kept I mean, I think we were all ex- and, and again, not to get too behind the scenes here, but I think it's kind of interesting, yeah. too. We, we all kind of knew, had an idea of what was going to come out. But I don't think anybody really expected the volume of stuff we were going to get. Yeah. Like that was yeah, yeah. ridiculous. And it was just it was just yeah. nuts to watch it, We were all just kind of going, what is happening? And just as you did, yeah. we had uh, extra staff and uh, all of our leads were there. And it was uh, features folks from our features team were, were helping out too. It was just all over the place. We had to be. Um, so I just wanted to say that real yeah. quickly that we appreciate not only people at CBR Screen Rants and all of uh, Collider too, everybody in our network. Um, but everybody out there, even our competitors, I'm sure you yeah. all had to do a lot of the same stuff. So 
good on everybody who is covering that event, um, including Noah, who said Ant Man and the, yeah. who wrote Ant Man and the Wasp: Quantum Medium confirms film's major villain. And we basically took this uh, what was announced, which was summed up in this tweet by Marvel Studios saying Peyton Reed is back to direct the third Ant Man film, Ant Man and the Wasp: Quantum Mania. Paul Rudd, Evangeline Lilly, Michael Douglas, and Michelle Pfeiffer all return. Catherine Newton joins the cast as Cassie Lang, who's a different Cassie Lang, and Jonathan Majors as Kang the Conqueror. And that is the big one of the big things that came out. He's going to be the next big bad taking over probably from Thanos, uh, or that's kind of the expectation. Now, the reason I bring him up when we mention Fantastic Four is that he his real name is Nathaniel Richards, right? So he is a descendant of Reed Richards. Um, which is itself kind of interesting Um, and also an alternate version of a descendant of Reed Richards. It gets kind of confusing because it's fucking comic books, Uh, but it's great. It's, it's amazing. Um, But I do wonder how they're going to leap that loop that in. Um, And, you know, given the backgrounds of these characters who potentially uh, could uh, Reed Richards, Mr. Fantastic B, because we're all saying, as you mentioned, uh, Krasinski, it could be him, but it could be yep. somebody else. It could be a black man, could be a, an all black family. That'd be dope as hell, too. Um, but who knows? Because, uh, you know, obviously, Jonathan Majors is a black man. He's going to slay this role. I think he's going to be really, really good in this role. Um, and I just want to see how they, they bridge all those gaps together. Um, Did for you this watch pre- Lovecraft Country? Uh, so I've seen parts of it and I've seen him in it. It's so good. Yeah. Like as an English nerd, right? Like it's so uh, there's so much subtext and it's not even subtext sometimes in that show. But like yeah. it's it's great. It's not for everybody, but I I mean, I, I loved it. I thought it was really good. And he's he's very, very good in it. Yeah. Um, so that excited me so much when he was cast. So. Um, so, yeah. But even we, just yeah. seeing him stand there, he just looks—he just looks like he could be Kang. Um, yeah, I just love 100%. it. And I've seen a lot of the stuff that Screen Rant is putting out with like um, uh, fan depictions or fan art. Yeah. I think Boss Logic did one of yeah, him, and his—it looks so good. Yeah. Anyway, so it's going to be really interesting to see how they loop that in and see how that informs the casting of Fantastic Four. But I do agree that those people would be perfect for it. So in this particular thing i wanted to focus on quantum mania because a lot of our commenters didn't talk about the movie itself everybody's like oh that's really cool i'm looking forward to it there's a third ant-man movie but it was, a lot of it was on the title do you guys just put the word quantum in front of everything uh so a lot of people liked the title like uh enrique moreno who said i kind of like the title ant-man has always been a bit goofy and they wear it well it's very comic booky Fair enough. Uh, people didn't like the title, like Miguel Diamonds, who said that's a horrible movie title, just straight up. And there were people who were not as straight up with more profanity. Watch the profanity. Yep. Uh, and then there were people like Donovan Hanselman and Dionzio Velez, uh, Velez, who said uh, nothing. They just put Hulk Hogan joke memes up, which is pretty great because Quantumania, brother, I guess. Uh, so that's a it's a thing instead of Hulkamania. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah Velez actually put yeah. uh, an 8-bit version of Hulk Hogan, which I appreciate. And of course, there are um, people like Peter Isnardi, Ins- Ins- I apologize, who confuse Kang with Krang from Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. Not the same character, although they both look quite fetching in shades of violet. I think mm-hmm. 
also what people are worried about is that Kang, who is a monumental Avengers villain on level with Thanos, is not going to scratch the itch that they wanted to because he is first appearing ostensibly in an Ant-Man movie. Um, I don't know if you or your commenters are kind of worried about that. Um, do you have any thoughts on that? Like that a, that a character, the level of Kang, who a lot of people have been waiting for, is first appearing in an Ant-Man movie? Yeah, I mean, it's a bit like... I, I, I find the Ant-Man movies, the Ant-Man movies, to be like some of the worst ones in the MCU for me. It's just like, I'm not... I'm not as interested by that as I am in some of the other characters. And like, you know, I think he's fun when he's like in the Avengers or something, but I, you know, and I like Paul Rudd and stuff too, but it's just such a different tone, those movies, I think. And like, I can understand why some people are, have reservations about, you know, the MCU's next big bad potentially appearing in one of those movies, either because he's going to be wasted because he's not going to be built into a big bad. He's just going to end up being like, kind of a one-off villain or something like that or he's going to have to kind of be sharing screen with ant-man and then you're supposed to see him go into some of these other movies and be more serious or something like it is a bit weird there's very little that started in an ant-man movie that you know other than like the wasp and stuff like that that is being carried into the other movies they've sort of existed somewhat separately i think for the most part Hmm. um but you know, I I don't know. I trust I trust Marvel enough that if this is their next big bad, if that is what the plan is, that they'll set him up in a way that I think they also have to know that people didn't love Ant-Man and the Wasp and that if they're going to do another Ant-Man movie, it's going to have to be better than that one. I, I think that is especially a really good point. I think they know what they're getting into in the expectations. But I also don't think that Kang is going to be a massive part of this movie. I think... Yeah. The quantum verse is and his role in it. You know, we we had talked about yeah. where can they go after phase three, after Thanos, after expanding to that level into a universe. And the only place they really can go is into a multiverse, which is the, yeah. the quantum verse, really. Um, and, you know, they've already teased how much Kang is going to be a presence in the other te- uh, the movies and, and shows that they're doing on the Disney Plus. But like there's this whole Kang kind of situation going on and they've mentioned um him and other things so i think it's just going to be introducing that character and being like oh kang's here like kang's yeah. that's kang in the quantum verse he's ready to rock man like he's over yeah. here um and that's kind of what frees him like kind of like the rat freed uh ant-man i think ant-man's gonna free kang is my thought um <laughs> I, but yeah. You know, the rat, the rat that saved the universe. Yeah, the rat that saved the universe. Oh the, uh, man, maybe this is just villainous turn. Do, he he accidentally frees Kang. I do kind of like the idea though of introducing Kang in these in these various sort of small little snippets, kind of like like it's almost the opposite of what they did with Thanos, which is like with Thanos they were like, this is Thanos, this is the guy that's gonna wreck stuff. It's all building up to this guy, even though, but it was like always in like post credit scenes and stuff, right? Like. What if the way they build up to Kang is having him like show up in all of these different properties in kind of like the Council of Kang and then like, you know, him showing up in Ant-Man and then you kind of begin to realize like, oh, he is actually the interconnecting thread of, you know, these different things that we're watching and he's a bad guy. 
like that would be kind of an interesting way of like drawing people kind of into his story that he's so present in all of these different, you know, the multiverse or the quantum realm or whatever, where, uh, you know, depending on which of the the shows and movies we're looking at, basically. I- I mean, it's they can do that very elegantly because they're they've already introduced uh, the Young Avengers. This idea of the Young Avengers, there's going to be like they've announced Miss America, of course, Hawkeye, and quite a few yeah. other ones, like with the Vision series potentially, Vision um, and some other uh, Young Avengers, both old and new. But you know, Nathaniel Richards has many aspects, so Kang is only one aspect of that character, and Kang comes right. back as. Iron Lad. So it would be very interesting to have that character come back as the Iron Man glue that gets everybody together and ends up being a villain and tears them all apart. Um, And I think, yeah, yeah, to your point, I think that would be really excellent. Um, But there are people who are afraid, like Brad Taylor, who says, ugh, and and I like this one, he says, ugh, if they make him Charles Kang, brilliant CEO that develops a time traveling purple costume, I might cry. This is a major villain. What's next? Gil Lactus, attorney at law. I'm sure I'm wrong and I'll be heavy <laughs> and it, it'll be a heavy duty bad guy. But Ant-Man has been a light property so far. I figured Kang as an Avengers bad guy, a team movie uh, to which Charles Jones says uh, they didn't make Thanos from the West Coast. So I think that Charles Kang, CEO, time travel traveler is a far shot, though. I'd personally watch Gil Lactus, attorney at law. And you're not alone, Charles, because I would watch the dog shit out of that yeah, movie. Uh, <laughs> like, please yeah. do that. We've already got She-Hulk yeah. and potentially Daredevil. That's kind of been debunked coming to the MCU. Why not throw Galactus in there? Throw, throw him in there as another attorney at law. There's also uh, Charles Krauss, who says kind of worried that Kang and Gore, who I'm going to talk about just briefly in a second, are going to be wasted in whimsical Ant-Man and Thor movies. Uh, a lot of people are worried about some. Um, Gore, who is uh, the God Butcher and has a brilliant, amazing story uh, from Jason Aaron's run on Thor uh, in the comics and basically wields this necro sword, all black, the necro sword, which terrorizes three generations of Thor. It's it's a very complex story. Very, very cool. Lots of pathos to that villain. But they're worried that Taika Waititi is not going to be able to handle that character in the same way that uh, Peyton Reed won't be able to. handle Kang. Anyway, uh, both are great villains and deserve a serious treatment. We'll see how it goes, but consider me worried for now. And there are a bunch of people who agree or disagree with that, but I think that's kind of mostly the worry that they're not going to have a Thanos level sort of threat be treated as such. But just in my comment of the week, if I can just shunt to that real quickly, uh, speaking of Gore the God Butcher, um, who we theorize on CBR um, in uh, the article by Anthony Garuglia, who we mentioned last week, uh, did the polyamorous Spider-Man stuff. Uh, the article is called Venom's MCU debut may come through Christian Bale's Thor 4 villain, uh, because there is a connection to Gore the God Butcher, who's going to be played by Christian Bale and Venom, in that they kind of share the symbiote thing with Null, who is the god of the symbiotes. Anyway, it's it's also complicated, but they're directly tied together. So that might be a way to introduce uh, Venom into the MCU. Um, and there is just a, a comment about this from about Gore from Lamarcus Armstead, who says, main, main, main. If they introduce Null through all black necrosword, that is Gore, the god butcher's main weapon. I'm a shit out of my dick. 
And I salute you, Marcus Armstead, very much for just God butchering biology, anatomy in any way, just because you are purely that excited. And I think that's fantastic. I think we're all excited for Gore, Kang, the next phase, where it's all going to go. I'm sure we're all worried, but we're all very excited too. Um, just as we are for for Star Wars. And regardless of Hayden Christensen, where he's going to be or what's going to happen with Darth Vader or Obi-Wan Kenobi. I think we're all excited. All that potential is so cool and heady. You know what I mean? Yeah. I mean, I walked away from this investor's call just like with a similar thing you and I have talked about before. And I don't know if we've talked about it on here, but it's like, man, what a time to be like a geek, like a comic lover, right? I think... I've taken some of the pressure off myself with these with these different things. Like, so they screw up Kang. That would stink. That would be a big bummer. But at the same time, it's like there's so many of these properties. It's not like you have to, you know, cling to any one anymore and stuff like that, because there'll be a different thing that they're going to do three months later or something. There's what, like three or four movies coming in, MCU movies coming in 2022, I think. There's one like every four months practically. So... I hope I hope they do a great job, but you know, man, there's a lot of stuff coming. It's it's kind of overwhelming. How much of it actually makes it to the screen will be interesting because they announced a lot of stuff, but you know, we'll see. Yeah, it is all subject to change. Uh, God knows what's going to happen. What is not subject to change is that we will be here covering what you think of it uh, each and every week, except for probably over the holidays uh, here on the first rule. Yeah. Um, if you do want to hear more from us, you can listen to the entire podcast, of course, at bit.ly, First Rule Pod, wherever you find your podcasts. You can hit us up on Twitter at First Rule Cast, on Instagram at The First Rule Podcast, and on Gmail at The First Rule at CBR.com. You can hit me up personally at Steve Lampire on Twitter. Uh, you can go to at CBR on Twitter or CBR.com. Ben, where can people find you and yours? Uh, you can find me on the Twitter at at Ben Kendrick. Um, you can find Screen Rant at Screen Rant. Um, and yeah, check out our articles over at uh, over at Screen Rant. Yeah, please do check out all of our, our lovely articles. There's going to be a lot more, I think, coming out as we get ready for the holidays. Um, I think we're going to do one yeah. more of these before the holidays and then have a little break. Like I kind of mentioned a little break, um, yeah. a little break, poo. And Probably, then yeah. we will come back strong and hard careful in the new year uh and we cannot wait to see you and see the tail end of this dog shit year 2020 um here's to it everybody thanks for joining us this week and we will see you next time yeah.